Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, could infidelity be contagious? A study carried out by an Israeli university found that people are more likely to have affairs if others in their social circle are doing the same. So might this apply to other situations? We're joined by Professor of Psychiatry at Trinity College, Brendan Kelly. Afternoon, Brendan. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, From what you know of this study, did it sound kind of credible to you? Yeah, it's an interesting study of undergraduate university students in Israel asking about their infidelity intentions, if you like, or trying to determine what they might do when they learned infidelity was common or was not common. And, you know, in a nutshell, it showed that uh, reading about infidelity and getting the impression infidelity is common makes people more open to it, more likely to consider it into the future, which isn't an enormous surprise, um, mm. but it's it's demonstrated quite nicely in the study. But, um, yeah, but might there be an instance of the study itself put the idea in their mind and therefore kind of was a self-fulfilling prophecy to some degree? Yeah, well, to some degree it is. We've always known that um, individuals where the social network supports, condones or talks a great deal about infidelity will have greater infidelity intentions. So, and this is part of what the study found, just how social we are in our decisions and in our preferences. And of course, this doesn't apply only to infidelity. This applies to absolutely everything. We like to think we are freestanding individuals with autonomous autonomous tastes, desires, and so forth, but we're not. We're intensely social and influenced by other people's behaviour. Is there, when we talk about behaviour, is there a set of mores there where perhaps we're all flexible depending on the group around us? I assume there's an upper cutoff point if you start hanging out with people who think murder is okay, uh, then it might give you pause. There are diminishing returns on it. I mean, we're intensely susceptible in relation to small things. If you take, for example, let's say you're out with a group of friends and the, one of these eternal questions comes up, is anyone having a starter or does anyone want <laughs> dessert? You're then in this very awkward little social situation where, of course, everybody wants a starter and everybody wants dessert, but no one wants to be the first person to say it. Once someone does, everyone falls like, like bowling pins. But as you move up the spectrum then towards murder and so on, the effect becomes smaller, but it doesn't disappear entirely. We are still very socially dependent creatures and we do what we see people around us doing or saying they will do. Right. Well, does that kind of then presuppose that that, uh, morals are actually kind of a bit of a chicken and egg thing? There's no ultimate authority uh, providing moral guidance to us. It's just each other. Well, that's absolutely true. I I mean, I think that's almost a given that we function as one sort of almost like one big organism. And again, I mean, I don't mean to go all Buddhist on you so early in the afternoon, Sean, but, um, you know, Buddhism says there is no self and we are so influenced by other people and by the world around us that the borderline between me and you is fuzzy at best. Mm. And this study, if you like, shows just how interdependent we are in what we intend doing on really quite important, quite profound subjects like whether or not you intend uh, to commit adultery. Uh, so d- so does that mean the kind of, or perhaps could we infer from that, that, that um, morality is actually what's good for the group? Yes, well, it's, I mean, I suppose morality is an effort to uh, pretend that there is a standalone set of pillars, beliefs or principles, you know, and we can do that. We can say that and try and adhere to these things. But in practice, what this study and an ocean of research shows is that in practice, we abandon those morals and those pillars those principles very, very quickly based upon what other people are doing. We are far more social than we are individual. And we, you know, 
it's to the point where it is almost meaningless in a social situation to talk about individuals because we do function as groups rather than solitary people. But probably most people would like to think they have a moral code. Uh, Why is there that contradiction within ourselves? Well, we all have a, a, a bunch of fantasies about ourselves. So a much more realistic way of looking at it is not so much having a code that you stick to, because most people don't, and we're very circumstance dependent. But having a moral compass is a little bit different. It's having a very flexible notion of what is right and wrong and kind of pointing in the right direction, even if you don't always travel in the right direction. And maybe there's some consolation in that for some of us. Yeah. I, one thing I, I have always noticed over the years uh, uh, with people particularly with men who you've met them for the first time and it doesn't matter if it's a social situation or a professional setting if you swear they'll start swearing that at first no one swears and then there's almost like a a signal that goes oh yeah it's okay for me to swear so then it can turn into a swear off sometimes Yes, yes, it absolutely can. And we do tend to think of other people's behaviour as different to our own. So we often talk about people as them, just as you spoke about men as them right there. But like, mm-hmm. we, 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 all, we all do this too. We're all, we're all part of the same thing. And swearing is only, is only the start of it. We have people walking like each other, talking like each other, behaving like each other. And, you know, and this study shows that the uh, adultery intentions are also contagious and more of a group phenomenon rather than an individual one. So does that mean individuality is, is, is meaningless? Would you go that far or, or not as important as we like to think it is? Well, let's just say it is a it is a consoling fantasy that keeps a lot of us going, uh, and that you know it, it, I wouldn't I wouldn't let it go. Like the idea of a self, an individual person, is still important. We need to know how many people to sit out for at dinner time, for example. However, the notion that an individual, a self, is unchanging um, or independent of the surrounding that is a fantasy, and maybe we need to be accepting of our own fuzzy borders and our fuzzy behaviours, and realise we're not as alone, as strong, or as autonomous as we like to fantasise. Brendan, thanks for speaking with us today. That was part of the collective psychic blob known as Brendan Kelly, Professor of Psychiatry at Trinity College Dublin. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. After that, why not more men work in childcare? Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.